0: Hi, welcome to Pathways. This is the podcast where we speak with Grenadians and other West Indians pursuing careers in the steam fields. Today's discussion is going to be another interesting one, so stick around. We hope you find something that resonates and helps keep you going along your journey. Chad Frazier is a true Grenadian-bred creator and entrepreneur, Just in talking to him, I could hear the passion that he has for creating and empowering students to take the reins in doing the same. His company, Sonova, does just that as a local software development company that aims to create solutions to regional and international technological limitations. If you follow them on social media, you'll see just how many young persons are learning to code and program with Sonova and finding their passion in the tech industry. Chad and I had a really broad conversation here about everything from his academic transformation in primary school, to his lifelong interest in inventing, to the struggles of building a company from the ground up, and even to the future of technology in the Caribbean. Stick around at the end of this discussion because I do have some interesting and exciting news to share about our plans for the podcast as we move into the new year. So I hope you enjoy today's chat, and if you do, be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts to leave a review, or drop us a note on social media and let us know what you want to hear more of. Good morning, Chad, and welcome to Pathways.
1: Hi, good morning, Aline. Thank you for for having me. Of course. Yes.
0: So... Today we're gonna to talk just a little bit about how you grew up into the tech arena and how you got involved creating your company Sonova. And the whole gist of this is just to get some information out there and help others to understand what that path or trajectory looks like.
1: Okay. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to some a nice discussion. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So to get started, let's just talk a little baseline. Where, you grew up in Grenada, born and raised. So where in Grenada did you grow up?
1: Yeah, I'm from what we call Moli countryside. Not a deep countryside, but <laughs> St. David's. Um, actually, where I'm from is right at the border between St. David's and St. Andrew's. Okay. So based on uh, when you're, you're speaking and who you're speaking to, we're in St. Andrew's, but officially we're in St. Andrew's. Okay, yeah. got it. Yeah.
0: So describe yourself as a primary school student or primary secondary school student growing up. What kind of a uh, a student were you in those days?
1: Yeah, primary school was was very different from my secondary school experience. Okay. Now, um when I was in primary school i I didn't um well at least at the beginning of primary school. I I I wasn't operating at my full potential. <laughs> so wow. actually in the beginning of primary school, I used to call, I used to be one of those that would come way down in class, you know. So um, you know, I would usually be down, you know, probably closer to the last few people in the class. <laughs> um up to the point where um so in Grenada here we have something called common engines. All right. So I actually sat common engines three times. Oh <laughs> it, was, okay. it was two chance child- times doing common insurance. I actually I kind of remember reading the um the questions so I just went through them um and I was not successful uh-huh. but it was coming to the my my, my last chance in common entrance, is when I met a friend who who was um a little more um dedicated I guess he used to study and do homework and do more of these things so um, let's say I pick I pick, picked up good company, <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, and I I moved all the way up from from you know coming way down in the twenties in my class to to the first five from wow. just starting to to study and you know math I was always very strong strong in but um, um and it picked my curiosity um, a lot in, in in electronics and science. And, um, I think that's where the spark, um, lit. Yeah, that's where, that's where that interest in, in being an inventor, uh-huh. um, started and I uh, was successful in my last, my last try, you know, so I actually started secondary school uh, at an, at, an uh, at a late age, older age. Right. Um, and, um, I did not lose that spark. I continued through secondary school and, um, you know, I remember being, um, I worked, I worked very hard. People, I remember back in school, people used to say, oh, you know, um, I was one of those bright ones. But the truth is, I only, I I worked very hard. So I would be up three in the morning. I would be, you know, um, just spending the extra time,
2: uh-huh.
1: you know. So in secondary school, I got the opportunity to to do math early because, I, as I mentioned, I was very good at math. Right. After I sat, sat math in, in um, form four. Okay. You know, and um successful there and um, went on to study. But I, at, at the end of secondary school, I really was not sure how I would be an inventor. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of sat around. Um, I, I went back and taught a hell on for a teacher there um, for a couple of months. And then, you know, I decided to apply to SU for um, uh, the closest thing they had because so I came from a poor family. Um, Well, I say poor middle class. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it wasn't a path laid out for me, really. I was the first in my family to, to go to university. So me telling my parents that I wanted to, to go to university, you know, it wasn't, <laughs> it, it was, it was, um, it was very new for them. Right. Um, because, um, firstly, we didn't have the money to send, so send a child. They were not prepared to send a child to, to university,
2: uh-huh.
1: yeah, but, um, you know, it happened. God worked it out. And i got to to go to um s u and the closest thing that i i could have done or chosen that um was m i s um the closest thing to me being an inventor which that, that i really wanted to be m i s being management information systems management information systems because there was some little it in there, and I always loved programming back in secondary school yeah you know and that was one of my Science, I was very strong in science, the science specifically math, well, not math, but math, the physics, biology, chemistry. A lot of people thought I would have been a doctor, but I was mm-hmm. all, also very strong in, um, in IT. Okay. Um, you know, so I, I actually was more interested in, in the physics and the IT than anything else because so I wanted you, to be an inventor.
0: Did you do both sciences and, and business in, for CXE?
1: Yes, I did. I did. Okay. I actually graduated with um, twelve CXC's. Wow. Um, so I did all the the sciences and the the business subjects. So I, I, did the P.O.B. and the P.O.A. and and so forth as well. Yeah.
0: Right. And when you were choosing those subjects, did you have in your mind that this is what it takes to be an inventor, or was it just doing what you liked?
1: So, secondary school there there is a culture where. You know it's all about doing doing as much as you could, and, and most of the teachers would just be like, "You know do as much yeah. as you could." <laughs> so yeah. it, it wasn't carriage driven, and which is something i I would recommend that you know students look at you know at the end of the day, I mean the other subjects come in and from time to time, you know mm-hmm. they're, they're useful, but it's always better to um if you have an idea of what you want to do, um of course leaving some room for you know uh, flexibility to to pivot later on right but try to pick the things and you know if you could do eight good subjects and get them get all the sanctions and you know i think that's the way to go um as opposed to trying to do 12 and 13. if you're capable of doing 13 all fine then you know then then go for it but Mm -hmm. i think um you know i i believe um the more you could have a, a breadth of knowledge but i think um, you bring more value when you're more specialized i believe you spend more time on fewer things then um you know you would uh, um excel better so at, at the time it wasn't career driven to answer your question
0: <laughs> okay that's fair so yeah. so what then really led to the interest in software and technology and all of that
1: I, I think i've always liked creating um, I remember um, in primary school, that same friend of mine, Ston, Um, you know, he used to, you know, back in the days, we used to have um, rollers, right, made with the cocoa stick. i not just that. <laughs> yeah, we are the same age, so you should know about it. Yeah, but, but back then, we used to make those things. Um, you know, you take a cocoa stick and you put wheels on it and you hook up your steering mechanism and so, but he has had lights hook, hooked up on it. You know, it had um, fan, radio, all kinds of different things, right? So basically, yeah. I had to disassemble things and put things together. And, um, I, you know, I, I was very interested in, in doing that. And um, I I I realized that at an early age, I was very, I liked application of concepts. So I remember at an early age, I was throwing up magnets Um because I said the art was a huge magnet, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> so I actually wanted to create a levitating board. I remember as a young age, I, had, I was working on this project. Uh, I don't think I was no, no older than, than 10, to be honest. Okay. And, um, and I discovered that um, my brother accidentally burnt some of my magnets, right? And I realized that the, the magnetism totally went away. Yeah. So I started putting magnets in the in the refrigerator now, because if you burn them and the magnetism go away, then if you put them in the refrigerator, then the magnetism should should be enough <laughs> to levitate the board, right? Um, you know. But I, it was, I think I've always had an interest in making things. Yeah. Going into secondary school, um, programming, uh, I realized is it really just making things.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Um, but software. Um, and um, you know. Physics I realized is about understanding the physical world, which I was very interested in how how electricity works, how all this um force and, and how, how how balance you know, how you achieve balance and how all these things really work right yeah. so I was really just interested in being an inventor, you know I had a lot of ideas there was an idea book I had, and I used to write down all my ideas, so I had a list a set of things that I wanted to make right. Um, but it happened that I really couldn't uh, so if I had a choice after finishing secondary school I would have mm-hmm. probably gone to study something in electronics, engineering or, you
2: know. Yeah.
1: Mechanical engineering or something along those lines. But um, you know, God made things <laughs> happen where I, I studied MIS, developed um programming and really just went on and went deep with programming. And the world changed with us, where most things now are microcontroller controlled and programming drives most things nowadays. Right. So I, um, it's full 360 where we're back to where we wanted to be in the first place. We're making things, we're building software, we're dabbling with hardware. Um, you know, and, and it's really nice, um, to see how things kind of came back. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah but um really my my passion was just making things creating things
0: you know? and look at you from the age of 10 at that age i was just yes. reading books <laughs> that
1: yeah, time i was i was you know with, with, with my partner just you know mashing up radios and <laughs> extracting motors <laughs> trying to yeah. figure out he was very dangerous back then because you know we did, we did things we we're not supposed to be doing you know <laughs> right. electrical, electrical. but that's
0: how you learn too right yeah yeah,
1: yeah. 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 No, I, I was very interested in, in um in making things so you know even today that's um uh, yeah. i'm in love with creating um working on new ideas okay so you
0: you went to do MIS. Could you talk a little bit about what the MIS um, program is like? What do you learn? What are courses?
1: Yeah, MIS um, was it's a nice. I think if you especially if you're going along the the, the on a trajectory of being an entrepreneur, it's a really nice, uh, especially an IT-based entrepreneur. I think it's a good um, substitute for an entrepreneur. Degree. I'm sorry, okay. Entrepreneurship degree, sorry, entrepreneurship degree, because it covers um, the IT, it covers things like um, how to deal with data, understanding how data could add value to an organization, uh-huh. um, you don't know how to manipulate and work with databases, you learn programming, but you also learn a lot of business. Um, so you would do the marketing, you would do some business management courses, Um. And uh, you have the general ones and the psychology and the others that makes you, I think if you, you know, it doesn't make you a great programmer, but it will make you a well-rounded um, person enough so that if you want to branch off and learn, go deeper into the, into, into the IT, which I did, mm-hmm. um, then you can do that. Or if you want to go deeper into the business, you could, you could also do that because I have friends who a lot of the people who I graduate, with, a lot of them run their own, um have their own startups uh, you know nowadays so i think um it it, it's uh it was because it's no longer it's no longer available in su they converted it to a full it degree but i thought it was um at the time because i was very it yeah um not business much um, i thought it was limiting um but now um as i'm an entrepreneur um I'm um, seeing value um, because some of the things we learned in business like, you know are not starting from scratch.
2: hmm
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Okay. So once you graduated SGU, what was the path from there? When did you did you start looking for like a mainstream job first, or did you go straight into making your own business?
1: Um well while at SGU. I was part of a, a startup that was um, started by um, Dr. Lewis. He, he was one of the, the lecturers there. Okay. Tech was the name. Um, so I, from from my involvement there, I started, um, I guess I got beat by the entrepreneurial bug. Uh-huh. You, know, um, you know, I really understood what it takes to, I mean, the company wasn't successful at the end, but. I think some of the lessons done there was was very good too. Yeah. I graduated from ESU, I did this for did it for a while, then I went on and taught. I taught before going to SGU but I also taught, taught after. Okay. And I wanted to um, give back to the school. I I thought there was an opportunity there to introduce the kids to robotics and other things that I'm, I was very passionate about, you know. And um, so I went back taught IT for a while. Um, not, That's not. at secondary school, or? Saint David Secondary, yes. Yeah, okay. It initially, it started off where I, I taught, you know, from from threes to from 5s. It was all good, and then um, I had to the, the 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 teacher came back because they were in teachers college at the time. When mm-hmm. they came back, I, I was given. You know, um, the form from ones and twos. <laughs> and you know, you you have a degree, and you're so deep in the IT, and you know, students asking to explain things, and well, yeah. it's difficult sometimes to convert these very, you know, these complex concepts. You know, I couldn't do it, um, but I realized I didn't love it, <laughs> right? And at the time, I, I I had this idea to start a company. Um, I've always wanted to, and um, and and I decided to leave teaching and, and do that.
0: Okay. So what was that process like? I know it can't be the easiest thing in Grenada to start your own business, especially maybe in a field that people aren't too
1: used to. No, no it was not. Actually, so I, started was it, it? I started it while teaching, right? Um, at least I... Was it while teaching? Yeah, I started... um. Actually, it started off as a project, right? That I want, okay. something I wanted to build. Back then, I, I progr- programmed in something called Flex. Um, it, was, it, it ran on um, Flash back then. Flash was one of the easier ways to make interactive things online. Yeah. Um, you know, so um, I thought there was an opportunity to create what's almost like an operating system in the browser. Okay. All right, Because every time I would create a project, you would start from scratch doing things like you use authentication, you would have to do permissions, you would have to do module management, you have to do so many things that I thought could have been encapsulated in one um, base application, and then you build a module based on what you're trying to build.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's almost like a whole operating system works, right? So I started this project um, about, uh, I started it while teaching and then i decided to leave teaching and there was no no work, nothing not, right? like i just yeah. focused on building this platform and it was one of the most difficult things because after a while there were a lot of money from you know saving and i actually went a year a year plus mm-hmm. um without any any revenues right it wasn't a company yeah. it was an idea it was very tough very 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 tough um at one point i um then over after about a year i got a, a project a first project and then um it was a okay size project <laughs> that that's in a client tra- yes a first client okay um and it was it was a good size project um so big enough that it enabled me to to pay off my student loan. So imagine the bank calling you over after a year, <laughs> not paying them the money. Yeah. I mean, I tried in between, but, um, you know, eventually I had to tell, and they were very understanding, Good. you know, tell them that I'm working on something that I think would enable me to pay this out quickly. And just give me some, some months, you know, and then I actually did. And then I was able to actually go in after that, getting that project and pay it out. Completely, so I know I don't have that but then I could actually um now innovate,
0: yeah, so and you uh, talk you talked a little bit about um the like how difficult it was in the first year with no income, just like low level, what kind of output like cost output did it take to to develop that business? Like, I'm, I'm actually I imagine it's more software
1: based, but. It's software based, so it's only me. And I was working from home. Um, I had no office. I had my laptop that I had um, from MSU. So um, I was in my room, just there, you know, coding, putting mm-hmm. away. So it was just me on time there was no real cost apart from food like food i got from my parents for free okay, <laughs> okay. so just the fact that you didn't have an income for an income, living. exactly okay you know it was really bad i mean you got to the point where i didn't i couldn't even afford to pay bus to go to town to a yeah. meeting you know it was really bad yeah. um but um you know it was it was one of those sacrifices that i had to make because i believed i mean the, and in that time i had job job offers right oh. um <laughs> but i i did not you know um yeah and i i focused then on, on building building this idea and the good thing is all the work i did in that year was actually the, the i i used it as a base framework to build out my first couple of projects as a company um, okay. for for clients so it actually um Worked out really well. It saved a lot of time in, in actually being able to build this project. So yeah, you know, it's, it's just a pity I didn't make it something public. You know, um, because it was really good back then. And then, um, so from there, I actually bought a started a company. Came up with the name Sonova, um, which is a whole story in itself. Yeah, <laughs> I want to, I want to I get into that a little bit. Too, and, I, and then, um, I really started company, um, bought a computer. I renovated um downstairs my parents' home. Okay. Um a little bit so that it's it was a little more <laughs> um so I could actually move down there and have some some peace to, to program mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. created the first um office, here, yeah, the first version one of the office. Okay. And then um shortly after I, I brought in two friends who who um you know, two of my good friends from HCU. Okay. So
0: Tell us about
1: Sonova and where that name <laughs> came name. from. <laughs> now back in the day, I told you I had a, a real interest in, in physics. All right? Um, right. So one of the things I used to do for fun, uh, one of my some some of my favorite shows were watching do- these documentaries, right, uh-huh. and how, how um, the galaxy works and, and <laughs> how stars are formed and so forth. So I would sit down, you know, watching these movies and. And uh, you hear them speaking about supernova, like you know, the the energy released from a dying star.
3: Yeah.
1: Right. And I know the dying stars, they're they're um they're usually very orange red kind of color. Right. And you know, supernova is just a, a measure of energy, like imaginative amount of energy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know. So when I came around to to start in the company, I was like, hey, you know, I have all this creative energy. And um, it's almost like a supernova, but I couldn't use supernova, so I just derived the word sunova. Okay. <laughs> so actually, sonova means, um, you know, uh, innovative, creative energy, um, and it's, it's, it's almost like a measure of energy. Yeah, and it's a word that you made up. I, wrote a, I made it up, <laughs> what you derived from, supernova, right? Wow, and if, if you look at the logo, um, we it, it's orange, red. Yeah, that's the color that that um, a star takes um, when before going into a supernova. Really, okay. So everything was based on on that. Yes, <laughs>
0: it makes so much more sense now. Yeah. I like <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. Okay. So, I I want to talk a little bit about developing yourself as a programmer because you you did MIS and you mentioned that it was a little bit limited or that's how you felt at the time. So mm-hmm. I, I guess it didn't have, you know, it didn't go that deep into programming and software and so on. Mm-hmm. How did you then develop after that to get to the kind of the level you are today and still, still growing in that? Did you take any professional classes or did you just learn on your
1: own? Yeah, most of it um, I learned on my own. Um, but I, I've always been a self learner. So I've always been good at finding the information that I, that I want. Um, what helped is me working on a project. Remember I told you I was working on this project. I called it KOS at one point, and I called it Mango. And it remained my until <laughs> 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 Flash died. Um, but, but by working on this project, I had to learn a lot of things. right? So I had to learn how to build out a nice back end for it. Mm-hmm. And um, so I started off working on things like SOAP, and it was a lot of reading, you know, understanding these concepts. Then you had to learn Linux because most of these things were open source. A lot of, a lot of them didn't, were not supported on Windows. So you had to run Linux operating systems. So I had to learn how to, how to interact with a computer that doesn't have a UI. So I had to learn some Linux, and um, it was really about trial and error, um, yeah. reading about best practices. So the key for me was always getting into the workforce and then after you go back and, and optimize and, and make it production um, ready. So I would I would dabble with, uh, I would just read up what companies are doing. So I would read up, uh, for example, back in the days I was um, intrigued by um, enterprise service buses. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was looking at, you know, building up backends on top of these and I learned to do it well. That was in Java, and then um, what? What? What worked for me though is not putting barriers. So I would see something in a programming language that I, I not I have no idea about, and I would just pick it up and start learning it. Right? <laughs> um, so I learned many different languages over the years, just trying to learn and implement. So it yeah. was never it was never around. Oh, what I what I knew at the time. So, if I want to build something back then, I, wasn't, I wouldn't think like, okay, I, I know Java, so I have to build something in Java. No. I would just look at, okay, what, what's the best um, solution? And I would say, okay, well, maybe I need to learn um, Py, Py, um, um, Python. Python yeah. And I would need to learn JavaScript. I would need to learn so many things. And an uh, interesting story uh, back then, while well, um, Flex was the lang- well, what I learned um, for front end. At one point, when Apple came and Apple announced that they they, they would not be supporting Flash, everybody started dumping Flash. <laughs> so, uh, um, so really, I was left um, having to learn a new <laughs> front end language. Yeah. So I just started from scratch learning JavaScript. All right, and um, so I think this year, the last December actually would be the end of Flash in most browsers. Um, so. I um, mean, it was a a hard transition because you had to go back end, front end. But I've never allowed, you know, limitations of a language or anything like that to, to hold me back. But it's a lot of work, and I think it's easy. Mm-hmm. Having a project helped because you, know, you 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 you're not just learning the concepts; you're actually learning to implement it in something that you're working on. Right. <laughs> that helped in uh, helping focus the the learning um, objectives, and then. Um, so today, that's why I try my best to to allocate at least an hour a day for learning something, or for reading on something. You know, whether it be just um, improving on the line, um, going deeper into something that I'm already familiar with,
2: uh-huh.
1: or learning something new, I would dedicate at least an hour a day for reading um, and keeping up to date. I think that's that's a good strategy, especially um, if you're getting into and, and let's say you're working somewhere you already started working somewhere and you want to build, allocating the time And, and already, award would take you in five years or in two years, you'd be surprised at how much you, you you're able to learn.
0: Yeah. And I I think I wanna come back to that later on. Mm-hmm. But um so what what is the main purpose of Sunover? So you developed this company, you so were working on this one project. Then how did it grow from there? And what,
1: what was the vision for the company? Well, Sonova, <laughs> Sonova started off as a means to an end, really. Okay. I wanted, I wanted to, um, to be a software engineer. And, and, and like being an astronaut or being most of the things, mm-hmm. it was not really feasible to do it in Grenada unless you do it yourself. I mean software development with the advent of the internet and computers, it's, it's more attainable than the others. But um so I I initially started off looking at opportunities and there were not much opportunities in the space. Right. So that's when I opted to um I opted to start doing my own thing. So really the project was just me building you know, doing my own software. Um and that evolved into a company. <laughs> but initially it was me just trying to occupy myself. Yeah. So that's the first that's the first January. That's the first phase of Sonova, right? The second period in, in S because we've been around for like seven years now. The second period okay. it, it was it was me um just loving building things and um, I realized that it was an opportunity to provide some jobs. So I wanted to build a company at the time, be mm-hmm. an opportunity so that we could empower other young people who want to be a software engineer, because I've met a lot of them. Right. In secondary school, especially when I was teaching, mm-hmm. I, saw, I saw students with great potential. You know, they they loved it. They loved, you know, they would come at lunchtime and they would love programming. And when you see them, it's around, and you know they can't find a job. They did IT. They went on to do IT in, in Tamsi C, yeah. And then they end up doing something that just was available, to get by. yeah, mm-hmm. just to get by. Yep. So I wanted to create an opportunity for um, others like me to be able to, to um, to 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 find some something to do with it, with that skill, right? So that was really the motivation. Um, the second phase. Um, Now, we're all about seeing how we could help um, change um, or improve the adoption of of ICT here in Grenada, especially among small businesses. Um, So it's all about, for for us right now, it's all about um, helping businesses see value. Because um, we think that once we have businesses seeing value in making that investment, then you it, it would automatically convert in into opportunities being created. Yeah, so you're just taking going going a step up <laughs> right? right. Um, I'm not sure where the next phase would be. Right now we've we're very focused on trying to help um, businesses on board and, and really get on. Um not forgetting where we where we the second phase, which is about pro- providing jobs. And I'll speak a little bit about that later what mm-hmm. we're doing because we realize even though you know you want to provide opportunities, there is a lot of capacity building that needs to happen. Um where there is a mism- there is a mismatch um between what the the college and you know the educational institutions here produce. Yeah. And what's required in the industry. Um so you know so over over the last year or two has been really um, working on building capacity here. Um we partnered with um, the National Training Agency here to develop standards because we co- it comes on to having the standards available. In terms of what these young people should learn um to to be able to work in the field. That's the phase one. The next one the next thing we did was partnered with SIP and we you know, through Sky we were able to find some um some some um, funding and we were able to train twenty full stack. We have developers here based on the standards that we developed at Sonova, And we also have helped with um, some of the the instructions as well. But a big part of what you're trying to do is build capacity because you don't want to get the businesses all excited and interested in solutions and they don't have the capacity, not only at Sonova, but in Grenada. We need to Mm. have, the narrative has to change. We can't just be seen as this is a tourism island with smiling people. You know, we have to be we have to be looked at uh, as as a, as a as a destination that that has talent, you know, rich talent in in emerging fields. And yeah. I City is one of those. And we're very passionate. I am very passionate, and the team is very passionate about that.
0: Yeah, no, I could tell. So, yeah. what are some of these challenges that you've seen both locally and regionally in the tech space? What What are some of the
1: barriers? I think. Um, we speak it. I mean, if you if you go higher up, you know, the, the government and other institutions, we speak about it, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, we speak about it, but a lot, not enough is being done to to actually make it happen, right? So things like the capacity building, um, I mean, we're, we're really not serious about it, to be honest, as a country. We um, still we still have the perception that we don't have the capacity.
0: And when you say capacity, you mean in people or
2: in people, like resources?
1: Well, resources is another one again, but resources, uh, like I was able to sat on over, resources you could always work around once you have good people and the right support. Mm-hmm. Um, because there is always the route of bootstrapping and other ways to really just gets us, um, get, get it going, right? But um, I think one of the major challenges is that a lot of the, the real opportunities are not staying local. All right. So you find, you know, digitizing government and other institutions that digitize But then if you look at who, who are doing the projects, you know, they're not, they're not local companies.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Um, and um, no capacities actually being built locally because they're not opportunities locally, you know. So um, that's, uh, that's one of the major challenges. And I spoke to colleagues in uh, similar companies in other islands and it's the same problem you know um until we this de- we de- we develop a, a, a very strict policy around i mean I know we signed on to these conventions and so forth, but we really need to work on uh, creating opportunities locally I and mean, it could be innovative, yeah, but, you how know, we approach it,
0: and so do you feel like the the need is there like there are companies that need you know some kind of software development yeah. or what it is that you do but you feel like the local companies are being overlooked for international yeah. ones
1: no i believe so i believe that there are um there there is a need there is definitely a need locally mm-hmm. um one of the other challenges that we face is that a lot of the people who need solutions they can't afford and simply because um you know the environment here you know is, is we have a we have a small population one mm-hmm. um so most solutions you would the feasibility of most um, software or service or pre-built solutions is very is very low here, yeah, because you would build a solution and you realize you only have four or five or ten clients that <laughs> could possibly use it um so because the population is so small, you have to look originally. But once you're talking regionally, and, and so then you're talking more resources, marketing, and otherwise, to already, you know, uh-huh. bridge that. So I think um, there is an opportunity. A lot of people are interested in solutions. And, um, you know, uh, and there aren't much funding for companies, startups, to be able to actually afford to build those solutions and pre-build them um, and to be able to fund fund um skilling them or rolling them out regionally where the real market is really right um so so i think there are two two real challenges one the capacity building building so we have some capacity but having mechanisms in place whether it be through the nta nta is working hard on on, on standards for it i mean they're already open
2: and then for the, we list, the
1: national national training agency okay but we also need to look at the secondary schools Right and and, and 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 um and the tertiary educations, you know, if they are in line with what the the um, industry needs, then I think that would solve a big part of that problem. Um. And then um, the other one is the environment. There's funding not being available here. You know, we don't have the environment um, where you can go in and you know pitch an idea and get funding for it. And, yeah. You know um. We need to build that as well, so I would say if we somehow um, you know build capacity here and maybe even establish some fund um so maybe capacity in fund management and how you go about doing that and um other people have money stored away in banks um but I think if some some uh, uh, education campaigns and so forth is done where we tell people, okay, there's another Solution to to just you know putting the money away in a bank. Um, maybe you get better returns if if you you know how to make those investments. You know to assess companies mm-hmm. and, and so forth. You know, and also you know, the, the the funding institutions you need to look at having frameworks and mechanisms for assessing and putting a value to to IP to some you know idea or a prototype or some piece of software or something. Um, usually you know, in the eyes of most of the institutions are not really valuable <laughs> um, what what valuable is it Probably the money that you'd bring in return, but yeah, so I think there are a lot of challenges that we need to work on if you want to create that environment here
3: okay,
0: and so you're you talk about how it's difficult to um you know get funding or there's okay. no availability of grants and loans for this kind of startup development. Were you able to access anything to help you in your goals or was it all bootstrapping as you
1: would say? No, we bootstrapped um, to start with. Um, we were lucky enough um, a couple of years ago when CASIP came around. Mm-hmm. We were able to secure some um, some grant funding from CASIP and that propelled us um, significantly. We also benefited from some, some grant funding from Caribbean Sport. Um, and that also helped, you know, um, help us implement uh, build, build out infrastructure. So things like computing and other things that we needed to really scale the team. So no, so since um, Casip, we've um, actually probably quadrupled in size you know, in terms of um, the, the jobs that we're providing. Yeah. Wow. Well. Yeah. So so um. You know, these this, this things, and that's something I wish would continue, the CASIP grant. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it really, uh, for those who it really helped, uh, those who made proper use of it, it, it could make a significant difference. In, in uh,
0: Is it still available today or was it discontinued?
1: There was a call recently, um, smaller amounts of gold I think, uh, is it not? I can't remember. Okay. Um, but um, yeah, there was a call. I'm not sure if the intent is to continue it after. But um, I know CASIP itself should be coming to an end soon, so whether or not they keep the grant program, maybe under some other label, maybe the same CASIP label, but I'm hoping that they do, (laughs) because it's something that young people could take advantage of, you know? Yeah,
0: Um, but they need to know what's out there, right?
1: Yeah, and that's another thing, you know... Being aware of what's available out there is very, very important as a, as as a, as an entrepreneur um, in the environment that we're in. So there there is a, there are a lot of grants out there. You know, I try to apply for as much as I could. Yeah. Um, so UNICEF from time to time would have grants. You would have um, Caribbean Sport. You would have Compete Caribbean. Some of them you may not be able to go in alone, but if you could come together and form a cluster. You know, um, <laughs> you know, with a with a common cause, then these are not always you could um you could tap into these programs, mm-hmm. and of course locally you we'll would have little, um grant programs from time to time. If you could pay attention to what um, to GDB and some of the governments. I would like to listen to what the government is saying, um, with some of these um, um initiatives that they're doing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, right now even um I think there is a program with the ECCB. Where they would provide some form of help with security. I'm not okay. sure what the official, the formal name of the program is, but if you if you go in there and get some 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 funding and and you um you don't have the amount of security, then I think there is a mechanism there for for you to present a certain portion of the security requirement, and they would they would provide the rest or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. But um, there are some there are a few um opportunities coming up, especially after COVID. Yeah, yeah. Um,
3: Alright, so that's good to know. Um I have a couple of questions. I think I'll I'll merge these into into two somehow. Or into one. Okay.
0: So I'm curious as to whether or not you had any anybody that you consider a mentor in growing up or in getting into this field. Like I know you did a lot of it on your own and kind of learned for yourself, mm-hmm. but was there anybody that you were able to go to? to, you know, maybe ask questions or um, help encourage you on the way?
1: Well, getting involved in the field, well, it depends on what we're talking about. Because when I was very young, um, the whole idea of being an inventor, you Mm -hmm. know, it was, I think I just had a nag for it. I can't remember actually being able to go to someone or you're just me and my partner just doing things, right? Yeah. Um but then when I when I entered secondary school, teacher Eddie was you know, a local California but he was also um the IT teacher in St David's uh-huh. You know, um he was he 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 was um, a good resource, you know, because I had interest in um you know, programming and that kind of thing. You know, that's not his area uh, you know, he's a teacher, but the guidance was great back then. Um then going on to secondary i'm sc- um, sorry university um cause I went from secondary school to su i I didn't go to Tam city, oh, okay, yeah, so I'm from the oh um there's a teacher called Kelly Kelly callis mm-hmm. in secondary school, and he was amazing and he taught physics, you know, but he was all about you know making things that you know. yeah you would stretch imagination. Um, so I, from interacting with him as well, I think, um, that really, um, encouraged me, encouraged me to, to just continue along the lines of that, that, that excitement I had for the science and, and making things. And, you know, we would make things like, I at at one point there was science faced around and we would make, make different things. And, you know, it was really nice, um, working with him back then,
2: mm-hmm.
1: then, um, second um university Dr. Lewis was instrumental introducing us, um or well, me back then to concepts that wasn't covered in the in the degree. Yeah. Because we are trying to do this company, right? Um so that that also um it was it was it was really good. I think in my in recent times I started learning more about um I was never a big reader. I think that's what one of my issues I'm um, growing up, um, you know, I don't know if if you know, it's, so let me say It's one of those learning disabilities.
2: Uh-huh. It's
1: normal that I'm more knowledgeable about these things. I'm I'm starting to think back at it. Yeah, but I was never a big reader, right? Especially out loud. Um, so I'd read, I would read things. So I would never read novels and those kind of things. but um, it's only in my later days I um. I started learning about people like, you know, Elon Musk and, and those guys who recently popped in. You yeah. Know? And, um, you know, you would learn about what they're doing and, you know, you're inspired by seeing other people creating. So you'd read about all these, um, famous inventors, Albert Einstein and Tesla and, and all these guys and them. Um, you mm-hmm. know, I think when I started, um, in them then you know you see other people and how they went about creating things because my th- back then I was not necessarily only interested in being a software engineer. I was all about creating things, inventing. <laughs> so right. I look at inventors, people who create things, right? So yeah. those people were in one of the things that, that I did were from a business standpoint. Um I I asked a friend of mine to to be my business mentor. <laughs> That's Jason Fletcher. I know if you know him, he, he runs um Marina Marine. Okay. Yeah. So he's one of those I would um from time we would connect and, you know, I would we'd discuss business, you know, the business side of things. You so know, to learn, you know, as much as I could there. Because um, being an entrepreneur and being a technician is two different things. Really two different things. Uh uh-huh. um so I had to learn the business side of it more and get deeper there. Right. So, um, yeah, he was one who was very willing to um, you know, to 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 discuss and exchange ideas and and that kind of thing, from the business standpoint. Um, but um, it's something I'm always interested in, even at at my stage. There's so much to learn, right? You know, um, even though you're running business for how much years, there's always something new. So I'm always looking at things like the profit and this is, is um, shows and, and, and I listen a lot of podcasts these, these days mm-hmm. um, of you know persons who, who went, um, who who did this before and learning from the experience, you know, so it's always learning. As I said, I always dedicate time to learning, but um, in terms of mentors locally, back then we didn't have much people in IT um, mm-hmm. who I could have looked up to, especially in software development. Nowadays, I'm speaking to a lot of young people who are interested, I'm hoping i um, Trying to be a mentor as much as possible, I would invite young people to come by the office and mm. see what we're doing. Maybe if you're interested and you have questions on a project, um, I could I could try and answer. If I can't answer, then I have a very competent team working with me. Yeah. Um, and then you know, also I would um, put them point them to someone who has the expertise who might be able to help. You know, at, at one point there was a young man who came, and um, you know, he said he he wanted to make an electric car, right? Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, it was amazing. I mean, for me, I, that got me excited that you have young people here who are actually and seriously interested in making things.
2: Yeah.
1: I, I believe, Um, I said it in a, in, a, in a different podcast before, Um, one of the things, we we're in a small island, 110,000, we have small land mass. Um, one of the things that we could do here that's really scalable is IP is our our inventions, you know, our, our ideas. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You know, because one good idea for software and with proper execution could could be another issue in Grenada. You know, when you look at apps, small apps, you know, like um, Skype and so food that started in like Estonia, small countries, small islands, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. I didn't even but know that. But they
1: they have this global impact and they're able to generate thousands and thousands of jobs. So, I would say if we make the right investment, you'd be surprised that we could have ideas coming from Grenada or products coming from Grenada that's able to to employ more people than the, the government does currently. Yeah. Because, you know, you look at a small app as TikTok, you know, and I heard in one place they were employing how much thousand workers they were intended to to employ. And I would say, imagine you have one successful app coming from here and you're able to, to you know, say, so even if you have able employ a thousand people which mm-hmm. is small in comparison to the success that is really among these apps are able to, you know, 100 people, 100 young people who who have an interest in software engineering. But I think if we make the right, um, on a country level, if we just refocus for a bit and, and look at these areas that are very resilient, like software development or, or investing in SaaS or um, technology in general, not, not just software, but hardware as well. Mm-hmm. Um. With an investment like that, no pandemic could could um, could could really <laughs> shut it down. Um, you know, you're not limited by your land mass, right? Because right. you're not limited by by many factors. You know, so I think just um, probably having a strategy um, around um, achieving two or three technology companies coming from Grenada. You know, it may look look far but it's it's totally doable. Seeing the kind of ideas I interact with on a daily basis. Yeah. You know, the ideas coming from the team is at Sonova, the ideas that people come to us with to help them implement. There are lots of great ideas here in Grenada. The the only um, once we're able to provide the right environment, I think um, we we could see something that would have a long-lasting impact here um, on the economy and on employment and so forth.
3: Definitely, definitely. Wow. All right. So, Chad, we talked a
0: lot about um, technology and software and so on. Last time we talked, I know you're also involved in a bunch of other things. Um, so aside from being CEO, I think you're also president of GICTA.
1: Mm-hmm, uh, right, yes. That's it's the Grenada
0: Inform- Information Communication Technology Alliance.
1: Alliance, Yes.
0: Right, and then you're also involved in like so many different things and on a community level, and so on, so mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about some of the passion pursuits you have and and uh what you get into
1: yeah, um I am interested in agriculture <laughs> um specifically, I'm interested in emerging technology and agriculture, okay, so um, I'm a part of another initiative that that does that really just help persons look at other alternative um, climate. Resilient, um, resilient agriculture techniques so things like hydroponics and aquaponics you know where we could apply sensors and and automated automation to to help reduce labor costs and and and, and um resource use usage and so forth so i'm very passionate about this as well um i am i am uh, involved in a couple of things um around building the industry here so JICTA is, is one of them. Um, the association, we believe that, you know, if we have a representation, proper representation of of the ICT um, uh, practitioners here mm-hmm. on the island, then we could we could really, you know, influence some things that, that would move the industry forward. Um, so that's where we came together. Um, a lot of um, the many of the the members currently are other companies in the space. Okay. Uh, Ranging from people who deal with infrastructure to other software companies um, and individuals as well, we do have a couple of individuals on there. Uh, but um, the idea is to build that that association to the point where we could start um, pushing certain um, um, certain ideas to the forefront. Mm-hmm. Uh, for discussion and um, and of course bringing them to the to the right decision makers so that we can see some things, bring some things to the to bring things forward, push the industry forward. And then um, you know apart from from those you know I'm of course involved in the capacity building things around ICT. So working with the Time CC, I'm a part of the advisory committee for the the IT department there as well. You know just trying to um, Guide them there, I do some 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 sessions also with s u as well yeah. trying to be a part of um, the the planning and and so forth there as well in terms of for they lay out the courses and, you know they could they could meet the industry um requirements better. yeah right and then i'm um, also involved in you know there's some community to be to build the standards and just trying to you know build. The mechanisms in place so the um to build resources here to take advantage of the opportunities that ICT brings. But most of my involvement, and I say I love creating things, so I would from time to time dabble with everything, uh, even uh, when I'm home, you know, I would um dabble with recipes. I just like creating, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah no limit I, to the, what you no can create, you know, um. Um, uh, most of it is around ICT. To be honest, uh, my yeah. dream is to be able to retire, uh-huh. um, a little earlier than than sixty five than than sixty five, yeah, and um, be able to just um, you know, make things on my own time, like you know, um, invent really. things. that's my dream, really. Yeah, so, um, somewhere in the mountain, um, just <laughs> doing agriculture out there and just being able to come up with great ideas and hand off to the Sonhofer team and we, we bring nice ideas out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so you, first of all, all these different organizations that you've gotten into and like advisory boards that you're on, how did you even get onto those boards? Did you typically approach them or were you invited based on, you know, things that you're working on?
1: Yeah. Most of well, all of them is based on things I'm working on. I must mention, I can't forget, another baby that I have is Show. Um, okay. We're a BPO, and it's all in the ICT space as well. Um, you know, we're and it 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 helps me to meet two of my, um, my main dreams. One of them is to really position Grenada as the ICT provider because it's, it's a call center, really. When I say BPO, right. most people don't know what the term means. Yeah, it's a, it's a call what center. What does BPO stand for? Business Process Outsourcing. Okay. We're a BPO provider. Okay. Now, um. We provide, we're provide. able to provide a lot of jobs, right? Even though we're pretty small now, but we're able to, to grow our capacity. And you know, once we're able to meet the capacities, then we'll be able to have a little impact on the unemployment situation here. All right? so we're very passionate. I'm passionate about that as well, because it, it merges the whole idea of providing opportunities,
2: uh-huh. especially
1: for the young people. A lot of young people are already motivated. A lot of them, they had their dream here, and because of the situation they, they they were left with no choice but to abandon their dreams of mm-hmm. working industry so um you know my idea is to really just provide these opportunities so people could, could practice and then um yeah so that's because so back to the question um yeah most of these um, i mean i was invited of, onto i'm also a member of the the board of the coastal um, cooperation. I mean I'm, I'm involved in that as well. Okay. Um,
0: are you a? do you, are you like a fisher or fisherman or anything like that? What does what does that no, mean?
1: Coastal postal cooperation. Coastal, okay, I heard coastal. Postal. No postal, postal. So my idea um, you know, wherever I could be of service and I've I've always been willing to serve my country. Uh-huh. and to have better situations in my country ties into my 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 overall um, driver, you know that that drives me every day. So being part of these these uh, these groups and, and and committees and so forth is all to help um move it forward. So most of them I was invited to based on my work. To be honest, okay. Um, greater small. So once you do good work, um, people would hear about it, and mm-hmm. you know once they know you're willing to to solve, then um. You know, I guess they reach out
0: right, so going back now to something you mentioned earlier because you do all these
2: things, mhm,
0: it doesn't sound like there's enough time in the day so what's yes. your what's your time management like you talked about taking the one hour to learn yes. something new, which I think is already amazing that you're able to find that time
1: yeah
0: so what what does your day even
1: so, look like so i would i would I would take my time off I usually would do it to get up and every morning, I would try to wake up 4 o'clock for the latest. For Late. so I'm, Yeah, I'm usually up, um, I would say, between 2.30 and 4.00. What time do you go to bed? <laughs> <laughs> so I change it up a little bit. So usually, I go to bed between 9 and 10. Okay. Yeah, so 9 and 10, I would try and wake up early. Sometimes, I would have to go a little later than 10, but I try to go mm-hmm. before 10. All right? Okay. And then I get up early because I have kids. I'm a family man, all right? So I have, I have two kids. I have a wife as well. So you know, bit, all right, So I, I may start from the morning, <laughs> all right? So I, I will I will get up early, check emails, respond to emails. You know, if I have something working on, then I'll try and um, get it out. Um, spend some time reading or or watching. Listening a podcast or watching a video or something where I could learn something,
2: Uh
1: and then um, so uh, that would take me up to around five thirty-six. Okay. Start preparing children lunch, break, Uh (laughs) packing bags, (laughs) bathing, changing diapers. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So that 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 takes us up to around seven. I will leave. Um, So I would get in, we sat at 9 at at Sonova, but I would try to get in um, between uh, 8, I would say by 8.30. Okay. So I would start um, getting some of the administrative things out, out, right? Mm -hmm. Um, At least those things that I need, need a lot of focus for. Um, So I would would get them out and then um, I would um, usually have me to the different teams at the office. Yeah. yeah, we plan out what what we just get the status of things and then we plan out how we move in. And then um, <clears throat> you know during the day I would um, allocate uh, between nine and twelve for for meetings. So most meetings I would try and pack them in that that morning period. Okay. Um, so most of the time when you know if people ask for a meeting, I would suggest ten automatically or. Yeah. You know, between that period, and um, sometimes I would go into one, um, if if I am, um, but I would try to eat breakfast every morning too. So either eat it while I'm in the office doing some of the things, or um, yeah, and then I take lunch as well. I'm very uh, when it comes to eating, I'm very, <laughs> yeah, very disciplined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I grab a good lunch, time. right? Yeah, and then um, yeah, and then I would um. Leave some time to do some programming and other things in between there. So talk to clients, you know, um, and and so forth. Um, yeah. But I do that for some some days. I and mean, some days I would, you know, have to deal with, um, you know, um, some uh, quality show as well. So I will split my time between some of one quality show. Uh-huh. Um, I have a good team. Yeah, uh, I think it helps when you have a really good team. Yeah, You don't have to do everything. you don't have to micromanage everything, you know. You could actually put some things up to the team, and you know, you get it done. So yeah. I leverage that a lot. Um okay. I wish I had a big, twice the size team, to be honest, because <laughs> <there's laughs> so, so many things keep popping up. But um, yeah, and then I would leave some time for um. So from from I would say when uh, that would take me up around four four thirty, pick up the kids. And from four, um, unless there is something really pressing
2: uh-huh.
1: from I would say f- I would pick them up four, forty five, five o'clock from that time, go all the way back to nine ish. Um eight eight thirty is the children time. Up to around eight thirty, eight is the children time. So that time I would try not to take calls because the children yeah. want to play, they want to so then go to the park after school, and you know, spend the time with them and the wife. Um, and then, you know, and I put them down, and I was, you know, we spend some time, you know, of course with family, the wife, and we talk. And then, um, once she once she goes to bed, then um, maybe I will get back up <laughs> and <laughs> put in another hour, oh. <laughs> and then and then go ultimately go to sleep around 10. and 10 yeah never could, stop. And then the cycle repeats. You know? But okay. there are days when I would um, spend show time and days when I spend more Sonova time. It depends so on where, you... where I'm needed the most. Um, the and those time. are
0: two separate companies or is Qualysho like a subsidiary of
1: Sonova? They're, they're separate companies.
0: Okay. And you're CEO of both of them?
1: No, CEO of Sonova. Um, Qualysho, um, I'm responsible for. Um, I would say Almost account management, okay, right? so we work you know work with the businesses and help come up with the right solutions for them and, and so forth
2: okay, All right. Mm-hmm.
1: so I try not to tick on um too much on that end, but I'm also responsible for the technology in quality show okay, Just to ensure that we implement the right things um, you know we look at the right solutions, we build solutions, there is a tie there's a a a dance that we do between quality once and over because sometimes we work on the same projects. Sonova build systems, scholarship should provide support, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So they, they work to sit together.
3: Okay. Everything
1: that I do is tied to Sonova somehow.
3: Right.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, programming and software is kind of like, it's
1: everything.
2: like,
0: it's like the atoms of, of life these days, right?
2: It's, yes, yes.
1: Everything. everything. So, yes. okay. um, yeah, but, yeah, but we can, I'm, I'm an Adventist, so I give God this time. Mhm um on the weekends that's, that's that's when I rest, so from Friday evening,
2: yeah
1: up to saturday i I would get the well the the the, the, the needed rest right yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know spend some time while shipping and developing that relationship there.
3: reset
1: yeah that res exactly the reset,
3: yeah,
1: I think everyone should have a reset, even if you don't believe in the Saturday Sabbath or, or you know mm-hmm. not an adventist, but spend the time to rest i think um I would preferably on the Saturday, but if you're not, then <laughs> um, take some time whenever to to um to reset. Yeah. Um, give God his time if you if you believe in if you're a believer. Um, spend time. I don't say his time. I mean, spend time developing the relationship like any other relationship. Have uh-huh. to spend time developing it, and then um, but you need that time. And now I'm I'm doing my little agriculture, so I'm doing my kitchen garden. And um, I also, um, we're getting into doing some more things with the agric- on the agriculture side. Okay. But I, I like to eat natural. I like to eat local. Mm-hmm. I like to eat natural. So um, I would eat a lot of my, like my lettuce and my cabbage and things that I grew. You know, but um, I'm That's sure cool. I'm working on, on, I believe even as an innovator, rest is important, right? Mm-hmm. You also need to eat good. All right. So eat on time. I know some people sacrifice eating because they're busy coding or you're busy pursuing whatever you're pursuing. As a young person, you want to feed your brain. Alright? So you want the brain to have time to rejuvenate and you want it to have the right food. Alright, you want to feed your body properly. And you need to exercise. Um something I'm um that's why I started the agriculture doing agriculture. I don't have time to go in the gym. But yeah. you know, when you go out and you you cut glass or you 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 plow some land or whatever you're doing then you get the exercise while right. producing food. <laughs> right. So right. I um that's why I actually got involved in um, the agriculture a bit so I could get that well needed exercise. But I believe these are very important. You know, you go, you go, you go, but sometimes you need to rest so mm-hmm. the brain have time to come up with with, with proper solutions. Kill
3: mm-hmm. two birds with one stone right there. Yeah. All right. So I have a question for you, but I'll let you pick the age. So so I'm going to ask you, what is a bit of advice that you wish you would have received at a certain age, be it mm-hmm. the age of 15, 18, or 25?
0: What's something mm-hmm. that you wish somebody would have told you or
2: encouraged you to do?
1: I think, um, I wish someone was real. <laughs> with me maybe when i left mm-hmm. um, when i was in secondary school or just setting the right expectations
2: mm-hmm.
1: for life mm-hmm. because when you, you know when you're young they're saying you know you do well in school just study your work and then everything would be okay like you're You'll expecting figure like, everything out yep. everything would be would just fall in line <laughs> once you once you once you study well and you you, you do you, you and it's it's not true, right? It's biggest a lie. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it could get very difficult. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why a lot of young people are demotivated a lot. Some of them it hit them like a storm, you know. Yep. Because you 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 good you you left secondary school with how many subjects, and then when you go there, you realize it's a really different story from what you're told. Um. So I think just setting the right expectations. Uh mm-hmm. young people, especially while they're in secondary school, you know, you paint the right picture that, you know, when you go, especially if you're not coming from wealthy families, Uh which a lot of Canadians are not. (laughs) Um, um, So I think they're setting the right expectation. I wish someone had told me that um, it would have been a fight like that, right? Um, So that you prepare your mind to fight um, and you don't expect, okay, I have 12 subjects many ones and distinction and no you should be good no when you finish then you realize you can't afford to go and study where you want to study yeah they, they say dream and, and you could be whatever you want and that's not true It's what your parents could afford to send you to do um sometimes and um so i i just wish someone was that real because <laughs> yeah. I, I i left when i left secondary school I was prepared to go to university, and you have you have the subject, so why not? Me, yeah, a, why not, right? Get there. Then it, then, it, <laughs> then it hit me, right? Because you know you um you realize, well, hold on, you know, for your parents, actually preparing to send you to to, to university? Mm-hmm. And then you know you take those bits of faith. I remember everybody going and reading stuff to see i never going to register because I had it in my mind. I go into SGU I'm not yeah. going to register for no time to see. You know what I'm Yeah. And so I'm just saying that um, I wish people, like, you need to be real with our young people and let them set realistic expectations for life. Because, yeah. yeah, trust me, I remember crying once, you know, you know, because, you know, you, um, you know, it's like you work so hard, you know, and then, you know, okay, you put in the work, you are you you get to the subjects. Now, you know, things are supposed to be easy, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying that, um, I wish I knew that, and then I would have been more prepared to fight, and maybe I would have go into the battle well prepared with my armor. And... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you had
3: to get some scratches. And, <laughs> you had you to
1: know, get some have scratches. To... <laughs> you had to fall and realize how hard the thing is. Yeah. You know? Um, you, had to, you had to get the scratches and things before you realize, well, hold on. This is actually a war happening now, <laughs> <laughs> right? And then you know, mentally. And then the other thing I wish I um I had earlier back then was um I wish I had a better relationship with God. Yeah. You know, uh, that was something that when I developed that, even early in business, I realized I was a lot less stressed. <laughs> yeah. Like you realize so many things are not in your hands. You Know and um, sometimes it just makes sense to just leave hey, God to do what he's supposed to be doing, and you do what you're supposed to be doing So try and do yours and do God thing at the same time, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it's almost like uh, it's, I read somewhere. I don't know, let me not say that on the podcast because <laughs> 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 it could be controversial,
4: yeah, you know. <laughs>
1: Some <laughs> controversy to spark ideas, you know. Yeah, but someone was saying like, when you hear you don't trust in when you, when you, okay, when you hear you have doubt and you start stressing mm-hmm. things, it's actually it's almost like you're practicing atheism. Like you say you're a Christian, but when you doubt, when you when you start stressing out about things, you doubt, it's like you're actually showing that you don't believe in God. Like you actually showing that you don't believe what 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 he say will do. Mm. by just you worrying yourself like okay me and you have an agreement you say you would you would help me yeah and i'm still so, so worried about whether or not you'll help me at all like i'm so worried about the things you say will help with. so it's actually me not believing you anyway you know it's like practicing <laughs> practicing unbelief
4: yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah no <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um it's just um very it was one of those things i discovered late time uh, and uh, and I realize my life is so much more peaceful. I go to sleep much more relaxed nowadays, <laughs> even yeah. though I have a lot much more happening. <laughs> yes. Um, but that, those are some of the things that I wish I knew. Um, some of them I wish I knew when I was much younger, but some of them, even if I knew them five years ago, would have been helpful. Right. Yeah. Well, it's
3: never too late to learn yes. at the end of the day.
1: <laughs> yes,
2: yes.
0: Okay. So... Going back full circle, kind of into tech now, okay. where do you see Grenada and the Caribbean in relation to the global tech market in the next, I don't know, five to 10 years? What kind of growth do you see for us?
1: I think we will see more adoption. We we'll would we'll consume more mm-hmm. technology. So, government would use more technology for things. Life would be easier. Um, I'm not so sure yet whether or not we we'll would benefit financially. Apart from the the uh, indirect benefits like the savings and costs and that businesses would have, mm-hmm. whether or not we, would, we the value would we, we would build this, the talent in the region here, I'm not too sure. Okay, because we're realizing um, the world is very global these days, and you know, a company as a, even as a small tech company here, you're competing with the biggest soft companies in the world. Right, you know, so I believe. Um, you would continue that way. You would see bigger giants um, coming up and dominating um, most of it, most of the market um, for providing technology solutions. And I'm just seeing that based on the patterns. I'm seeing now. Um, so I think it comes down to what the, the region wants, and we have to make a, des- a decision and mm-hmm. how we're going to approach adopting technology, but. Is going to be adopted. Technology is, there is no stopping, especially with um, COVID triggering a lot of it. Right. Um, <laughs> I believe a lot of it would happen unless we make a conscious decision as a region, not as a country, because the truth is, a lot of solutions are not scalable in a country, one country as a region.
2: Yeah.
1: If we make a conscious decision on how we're going to approach adopting technology, um, then um we we would see some benefits but I don't think um people the dreamers like me who want to get into it um deeper unless we go and work with um I mean I was saying so would, would be a part of it because we already we already there. But I'm thinking about the audience you're speaking to. Unless they decide to work with a these bigger companies. If we are to continue how we're we doing now, yeah. Um, I don't see how they would have the um the the, the I mean, I can see it.
0: When you say in bigger companies, international, like the
1: international, yes, 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 yes. Like, and the, they, they and Apple and the yeah, the Google and the Apple and the the Facebooks and so, this guy, because look, Facebook getting into payments, you know, you know, we have um, we have WeChat, and these companies are finding more and more opportunities. So we have WeChat in the, in, in, in trade out there, but Facebook, if Facebook offer payments. I saw a demo in um, payments over WhatsApp in India. Um, so imagine Facebook have payments over WhatsApp, for example. It yeah. Imagine what I would do to any startup with the adoption WhatsApp has already. <laughs> you know? So the, the thing is, these companies already have, and that's why I say that, a lot of them already have, and the Microsoft, a lot of them already have the, um, the adoption. They have the presence. They already exist in most companies. hmm it's not a far cry for them to just add a feature that would kill any small company in the region, you know?
0: So if you're talking about trying to, like for smaller companies to, I guess, partner with or kind of get involved with these larger companies, what extent do you think that could be done without kind of, you know, selling yourself out a little bit and eventually just kind of getting overrun by
1: by this yeah. large body? I think what would happen, I mean, it sounds grim for somebody who's dreaming of, of being another sonova, being another company. Right. But we have to. I like to tell people: you come up with a, come up with an idea that's really nice, really unique. Right? If 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 you come up with an idea that's unique, that's in an industry that's probably not yet dominated by one of these big players. Right? Then there is a chance. And let me not say that that there is no chance. There is a chance for some small tech companies to slide in between, right? Right. The big opportunities, however, may not may not be in those areas. All right? So the big opportunities, we're talking about things like um, Internet of Things is a, is a big, big pattern right now. Mm-hmm. Cities are becoming smart, right? Households are becoming smart, and the players are there, Right. Mm-hmm. You might pick out one or two niche markets that you could you could do something in, but players exist. Um productivity tools, players exist, Microsoft, mm-hmm. Slack, all these guys are um competing in that in the in, in Apple to a certain extent. Uh, yeah. Google competing there, everybody competing there. And these are the big opportunities, right? Parents, a bunch of competition there. So if you look at the areas that would be transformed the most, and would have that would that would that would carry the most, and generate that would ha, that would have the most generating revenue generating potential mm-hmm. for a startup. These are these the big players are there. So if you could carve out a little niche, and you could focus on that little niche, then maybe as a startup, as a as a young entrepreneur, then you could um you could come up. And in terms of working with these companies, then um, maybe if you were to work with them, maybe as a reseller of the service and whatnot, But mm-hmm. I mean, coming from where we are, I mean, we're Sonova. You know, we're about creative, innovative energy. So where is the room for innovation if we're just reselling a solution that somebody, you know. Right. Um, so if, you're, if your thing is about creating solutions and you're very passionate about being creative and innovating, and mm-hmm. um, I'm not to sure. I'm not sure. Yeah. Oh. Well, yeah. There must be a way. Yeah. No, there is a way. There is a way. I mean, the thing is, things are changing all the time. Eh? you Remember back then, you had um, you know, there was there was very little room for even a Facebook because there was high five and then right. But there is a Facebook. That's you face. mm-hmm. know, there were there were probably very little room for a Slack. Well, there is a slack, mm-hmm. even though you had so many MSN and all these other chat um, happening. I mean, they do a little more than that, but
2: yeah, you know, and
0: Skype, Netflix,
1: Netflix, yeah, you understand? Know they all yeah, came um, up as the underdog, and the underdogs, you know. So I'm just saying that things are changing. The world, we have Generation Z now. Mm-hmm. You've had so the the never was the world changes very rapidly, uh, more rapidly than we we sometimes want to admit. But the world changes very rapidly. People's expectation changes. The generation sometimes wants something different. And new opportunities will come up. So I'm not saying to sit back and give up and say, oh, well, Google and MD are ready and they are no opportunities. You never know. How people want to work in the future is probably totally different from how we work in now. Yeah. And productivity tools, as we know them now, requirements for them may be very, very different in the future. So I think it's... um. It's all about looking at patterns, looking at where there are new emerging little opportunities that you could sneak in and um, be able to capture some market share. But I'm um, so not saying that it's all grim. I'm just saying that if you were to sit down now and look five years into the future, it is hard to do, by the way, <laughs> um, with what's happening now. Um, if you were to do those extrapolate based on the patterns you're seeing, then you, it's very clear what would happen. Right. But I'm sure within the next, um, we're talking Gen Z, and very people. I mean, very few understand their Gen Zs uh, you know, in terms of what they, what they, what they prefer and how they prefer to work, um, what productivity looks like for them,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and um, so they, uh, what communication looks like for them. So there might be, there would be definitely new opportunities popping up, you know. So um, it's not all grim right 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 so uh, to be honest to honestly answer your question um i see technology coming to the forefront in the next five years how exactly i can say mm-hmm. because the truth is things are moving just too quickly yeah things are moving very very quickly with ai and with this and Different yeah. technology that's popping up. Um, I really don't know what what life would be like. You never know. We might just be have. We may not even need to work anymore. We never know. We <laughs> nice. And, and hydroponics growing food for us, and all we need to do is focus on our families. That would be great. Yeah. And you have AI doing most of the 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 um the mundane the to the, the tasks <laughs> of running the office. <laughs> I mean, Coming real soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Real soon.
1: you'll be good if you could substitute the time you know with family and with that you would spend in the office and spend with family and you you let know, the computers do the work um, and drive you and do all the things and um, <laughs> quality of life would, would increase yeah. and you have less you know.
0: Well, in the meantime, we just have to arm ourselves for the battle. Yeah, <laughs> and I like it And be yeah. ready for whatever comes.
1: Yeah, and I want to and the other thing too is it's about keeping the fire. There's a fire that comes there. Uh, when you hear you passionate about it, about especially those who are interested in technology, mm-hmm. when you there's a fire you have, right? And if you could keep that fire and and somehow, you know, figure out how to harness and, and, and create value for others with that with that spark, with that, that yes. fire. Not a spark anymore once you get deep into it, it becomes a fire. It's what keeps you motivated. It's what keeps you running on Mm -hmm. a day-to-day basis. Just keep the fire because, you know, sometimes when you look around and you see some of the challenges you're facing, that is all you have to to just keep you going, you know. Um, You know, and and be creative. Don't think any idea is out of the box. And I, I always like to say to the people in Sonova, you know, what we're trying to do there is create a safe space for ideas. Yeah. Right? This is the one place you could come in the world where you could talk about an idea, and you wouldn't be looked at like a weirdo. Wait, 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 what, what, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, some that's of the ideas are yeah, it's that's it, right? Um, where you could really come and just bring an idea to the forefront, and people would look at it seriously, and have, you know, wonder what you're trying to do.
3: Yeah, and instead of you know fighting it down, think of ways to actually make it happen
1: or make it happen. yeah. Um, we look at the feasibility, we look at how, you know, some of the craziest ideas, like, uh, Atom was one of them, that IoT platform. You know, mm-hmm. it was just about, you know, just imagining so, you just see, when you look around right now, that's just what you could see. But there's so much happening around you. You know, the, the air is constantly changing. There's so much waves and light and radiation, different things that you can see, the particles. Yeah. And, and my thought was, you know, what if you could just have a 100% visibility into what's actually around you? No. That's the premise for Atom. That's a, an IoT platform that we built. Oh. And um, so it, it comes down to sensing, right? Being able to have sensors that extends you, your physical senses, mm-hmm. sensors that could measure particulate matter, sensors that could look at radiation, and just give you a full visibility you would be amazed at the kind of colors that are that are back on the trees, yeah. you know, and all we've seen is just the visible spectrum. but when you go in and yeah. you see you can see right now all these trees are, are releasing bubbles of oxygen, you know, but we just can't yeah. see so much beauty that's that that's that really you know so much data that that that's around us you know so that's all the motivation for creating this nice. IoT platform, but I'm saying that this is this the ideal expressed to it.
0: <laughs> I was just going to say, so you can see bubbles coming off of
1: trees. <laughs> but yeah, but the truth is, they are, that's, what, that's what's there, but we only see in leaves, right? Yeah. But if you yeah. take that same leaf and so much it in water, mm-hmm. you will see bubbles coming out of it. Right. That's right. oxygen, right? Yeah, I'm just saying that there is so much around us that we can't see and interact with, and that was the premise for building. Yeah, at yeah. right? The right, right um, lens to see it. Just another lens to see the wall, right? And um, so I just think that there are so many things to still do and build, and you know, I, I just love the whole idea of you know being able to create. Mm-hmm. And I would encourage any young person if you are creative, if you find that's you and you, you could get into it, man, you would live the best life you could live. Are right? you yeah. passionate? Once you're passionate and you're getting to do what you love, you know, so that's why I'm passionate about helping young people who are interested in that kind of thing. You're right. not going to end up working in a bank and you're totally unhappy. Yeah, you're making money but you're totally unhappy. You're unable to, to write software. You know, you're unable to, to take an idea and go and 3D print out a model and, you know, do all these things and make it a reality, man. It's, it's just a, a great loss. That's
0: true. Well, Chad, we could, I know we could talk about this kind of yes. stuff all day, yes.
1: but I want to
0: be respectful of your time and give you back a little bit of your weekend. So yes. the last thing I'm going to ask you is uh, for, you know, students or any young people listening who might get really interested in what you were just talking about and want to learn more, get involved with what it is that you do. What's a good way for them to reach you?
1: Well, you can um you can send me an email. I am also on the social networks. Um I'm on Facebook. You can look up Chad. I rarely um deny people <laughs> um I'm on LinkedIn as well. So you look mm-hmm. at Chad look for Chad Fraser on LinkedIn, look for okay. Chad Fraser on Facebook. Um my email address is chad at sonova.com. Okay. And then um I'm not sure if I should put my phone number here. But <laughs> you know, <laughs> but you can you can also reach out to me. Um, uh, disclaimer my Saturday is for God. Um, you know, so anytime during the week, um, I'll prefer somewhere around twelve o'clock because that's when my lunchtime is. So I, don't I I could take a call in that time. Okay. But it's at um four five six six eight zero four. That's four seven three Four yeah. five six six eight zero four. All right. But always WhatsApp me or call me, and um, especially if you're a young person who's very interested and you need guidance, I'm always willing and ready to to provide some advice or guidance or whatever resources that we have. And, and maybe if you're building, you know, you, said you want to make your first um, electric car. Uh, you know, you could come and get your model. You could print your model by <laughs> us and, and, and get your first thing going, you know. But um, <laughs> we have some. I am just excited about um, seeing the next generation of of um, technology entrepreneurs. Yes. You know, I would love for my son and my daughter who, who are one and two now mm-hmm. to come into a Grenada where they could dream about doing anything technology and have an opportunity here. So I'm not thinking Sonova alone. I don't think... That's the way forward. I don't want Sunovatel. what to be the lone software company in Greda. right? I would like to see an ecosystem being built in the IT space. Mm-hmm. Um, so, where you have other software companies, maybe who are specialising in other things. So, you may have software companies who are specialising in health, who might be specialising in communication technology, who might be specialising other 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 things, so that we could collaborate and. And really change the face of of the Grenadian Newt. You know what the Grenadian Newt is about, right. All right? So that's my dream, and that's what I'm working towards. So reach out to me anytime.
0: Yeah, I'm sure if I come back mm-hmm. to you in a couple of years, things will be so much different and more evolved.
1: <laughs> I am hoping so. I am hoping so. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, Chad, All again, right. thanks so much for your time, and to the listeners, thank you for joining us on today's pathway. Alright friends, and now for the announcement. So this will actually be the penultimate episode of this season of Pathways. Now don't worry, we are cooking up something really interesting for the season finale which airs on January 5th and we'll be back not much later in 2021 with fresh episodes. We'll have all new guests and many more career paths for you to learn about. Now, we've gotten nothing but support and positive feedback so far about what we're doing here with the podcast, and we want to just thank you all so much for journeying with us. We have listeners from across the globe, and numbers are really just growing weekly. But most importantly, we are reaching you all at home in Grenada and starting to create a network of amazing professionals who are at all different points of their career, so, now as we get ready to roll into the new season, Grenadian Steam is pleased to announce that we will be accepting sponsorships and partners for future Pathways episodes. Grensteam and Pathways are by Grenadians for Grenadians, and we really want to continue to grow our connections to the community even deeper. So, stay tuned to our social media accounts for more details on how you can be a sponsor. And the different packages that are being offered. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll talk to you next time.